0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, March 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. We've got a dispatch from Ukraine's capital, Kiev. The writer, Tim Judah, describes a strange calm, even as Russian forces advance on the city's suburbs. And as the world becomes more unpredictable, Gold's becoming a hot commodity.
1: It's where investors retreat to in times of trouble, and particularly when interest rates and inflation are rising and our cash savings are being eroded. We'll talk to
0: Claire Barrett. She hosts the FT's personal finance podcast, Money Clinic. I'm Joanna Gow, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The US has signaled it will join European allies and escalate sanctions on Russia this week. The White House also warned the conflict in Ukraine would not end easily or rapidly. Officials offered few details, but they said President Joe Biden would announce measures during his visit to Europe. His trip begins today in Brussels. The US president will also meet with NATO and G7 partners. Russian forces continue to bombard Ukraine's cities, and they're advancing into the suburbs of the capital, Kiev. The writer Tim Judah is in Kiev on assignment for the FT. He says despite the attacks just outside the capital, inside the city, it's strangely calm. We spoke to him yesterday, so things might have changed, but here's what Tim's told us.
2: Well, you know, it, it's really interesting how the mood has changed. So after the invasion began, people were pretty scared. And, you know, there was this, first of all, there was this vast outflow of probably hundreds of thousands of people, maybe more. You know, this is a city of three million people. You know, maybe 50, 60 percent of the population is gone. And then the Russians announced that they uh, that they were going to hit the SBU building. That's the, the building of the security services, which is uh, here in the center of town. and. You know, that was a pretty nerve-wracking moment where it appeared that missiles were about to target buildings, you know, right here in the center of town. And then then it didn't happen. But strangely, despite these attacks, which have mostly happened in the northwestern suburbs of the city, actually things have relaxed. That's kind of
0: surprising. I mean, I would have expected a lot more panic. You wrote about your visit to a town just outside Kiev called Irpin. And at the time, it was held by Ukrainian forces— while the next town over, it was held by Russians. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Until about a week ago, journalists were still able to go into Erpin. So we would go across this broken bridge and there was a moment when the Russians had, had let people leave. And then you had hundreds of people coming up this road. There was somebody dead in the middle of the road. I don't know if it was a soldier or not. There was three dead Russians by the road. And, you know, there was a woman, uh, this will never leave me, this, this um, image in my mind of this um, old woman. She had a stick and she tied a piece of white cloth on it and she was waving it and people were emerging from their from their basements and they didn't want to leave alone and they were getting together with their with their neighbors really and then they were kind of moving out in groups and the woman was going oh my god oh my god and she this was a moment that people were leaving so they had to pass through various russian checkpoints and they came down this kind of no man's land road approaching to the first Ukrainian position. So she was waving a white flag. And then all of the others behind them, they had white little pieces of cloth, which they'd um, tied and in, made into armbands. They were just to identify themselves as, as civilians um, who were escaping. And immediately they got behind the cement mixer, which was shielding the Ukrainian position. They were taking them off and just chucking them in a pile of you know white strips of cloth. And then all of the men were having their ID documents checked because what uh, the, the Ukrainians were very frightened Of or are very frightened of is, you know, Russian soldiers or reconnaissance groups, as they call them, infiltrating behind uh, Ukrainian lines. So
0: in the last couple of days, Irpin has come under heavy attack. So we don't know what's going to happen there. But I want to ask you, Tim, you've covered many wars. Is there anything that strikes you about this conflict in particular?
2: So the Ukrainians have been super organized. You know, I was here beginning of the Maidan revolution, 2014, 15, 16, which was the first part of the war. Because don't forget, this is part two of the war. We've had, you know, the, the, the war began in Donbass in, in 2014. And at that point, the Ukrainians were very chaotic and disorganized. And, you know, the government had been gutted and the armed forces were a shell of what, what they should have been. And what strikes me is like, how super disciplined and organized the, the Ukrainians are now. And I'm not just talking militarily. You know, what strikes me is that after every... Every time we've been to a residential building, which has been hit, there are municipal cleanup teams and local residents, you know, all out with brooms sweeping up. There are kind of municipal officials taking statements from people who've had their flats blown out. There are kind of municipal officials who've arrived with, you know, big rolls of plastic and people are queuing up patiently for their rolls of plastic to put over their shattered windows. That's the sound of um, drilling as they put the boards in to uh, cover up shutter windows of a school. I've never seen that level of organisation and, and discipline in a conflict before.
0: So it sounds like they were ready for this.
2: They were absolutely ready for this. I mean, I spoke to let's say a senior security official the other day, and he said, you know, yes, they were ready for it, but he said. What we were not ready for was the scale of it. They hadn't really expected to be this 100% all out attack over the the whole of Ukraine. They thought it was going to be a much more uh, limited thing. But it also means that since 2014, you know, they haven't been wasting their time. They've learned their lessons and they've acted upon it. And, you know, now we can see the results.
0: Tim, thanks so much. We look forward to speaking with you again. Great. The writer Tim Judah is on assignment in Ukraine for the FT. Russia's war in Ukraine has created enormous uncertainty for investors. And uncertainty usually means a rush into safe assets like gold. There's been such a rush to gold over the past few weeks, the price has shot up to about $2,000 an ounce. Many FT readers and listeners have also contacted the FT's Claire Barrett. Claire hosts the FT's personal finance podcast, Money Clinic.
1: The whole of the personal finance section has been carrying lots of stories showing how more people are turning to gold. It's seen as a store of value, a safe haven that will perform well when everything else on the stock market is going down. It's where investors retreat to in times of trouble, and particularly when interest rates and inflation are rising and our cash savings are being eroded. Gold is the subject of
0: the latest episode of Money Clinic. Claire joins me now to talk more. Hi, Claire. Hi, Joanna. So gold offers no yield, no dividend, as you point out on your show. Its key value is safety and diversification for a portfolio. So right now, at the current price, is gold a good investment Well, put
1: it this way, Joanna, it would have been a very wise investment about six months ago. (laughs) (laughs) The benefit of hindsight is always a wonderful thing when it comes to investing. Now, there are lots of people who will have gold as part of a balanced portfolio, but some people may be thinking about allocating more of their portfolio to gold in times of trouble. Now, I'm not a financial advisor, but if, like many of our listeners, you want to do that. There are various different ways you can do it. You can buy an ETF, an exchange-traded fund that just simply tracks the gold price. You can buy physical gold. Lots of investors buy gold sovereigns. Um, Now, sovereigns, they're special coins issued by English monarchs. Technically, they're legal tender. If you spend them, they're only worth a pound. They've got a nominal value. But at the moment, if you want to buy one, it will cost you about 370 quid.
0: And speaking of gold sovereigns, I understand you got your hands on some. You visited the London gold shop Sharps Pixley, and you spoke to a dealer named Giles Maber.
1: You you keep sovereigns in a tube, like Sterodent tablets.
2: Uh, So sovereigns come in tubes of 25, directly from the mint.
1: It's kind of like a a coppery gold colour.
2: It is. So a sovereign's actually 22 carats, So it contains about 8.3% copper, which just makes it a little bit more durable.
0: And you also recorded a little experiment with a heavy gold bar. Just
1: to give you an idea of how incredibly heavy this 44,000 pounds worth of gold actually is, I'm gonna drop it onto Giles's beautiful leather velvet lined tray from a height of about 10 centimeters. That sounds like a solid investment. So there are lots of reasons, that gold is attractive. But I think at the moment, for a lot of investors who are very nervous, having something that you can hold in your hand or store under the
0: mattress has got a lot of appeal. It certainly would make me sleep better at night if I knew I had gold bars underneath my pillow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We can all dream.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, Claire. Thank you for getting me on. Claire Barrett is the host of the FT's personal finance podcast, Money Clinic. The new episode on gold dropped this week. Before we go, have you found yourself getting through bags of Doritos more quickly than ever before? If it feels like there are fewer in the bag or less chocolate bar inside the wrapper, you're not imagining it. You're experiencing shrinkflation, and this is when companies provide less product for the same price to offset higher costs. Many companies are still raising prices, but others fear consumers will flee, so they keep prices the same just like it is on the 24-ounce bottle of Dove body wash, which is now just 22 ounces. You can read more about all these stories at FT.com. If you aren't a subscriber yet, you can read our key Ukraine coverage for free. Just visit FT.com slash free to read. Again, that's FT.com slash free to read. We also have a link to that in the show notes. This has been your daily FT news briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals no matter how complex real wealth requires real solutions connect with a wealth advisor today at coriant.com that's coriant.com hi this is matt and sean from two black guys with good credit
0: from a local business to a global corporation